Thanks for tuning into the Good Trash Genre Cast. We want to give a special shout out to longtime listener Brigham Cole, who is officially the very first patron on our brand new Patreon account. Go over there, uh, check out some of the rewards we have for you uh, if you choose to donate to, to to the show, and check out some of the goals we have in mind for uh, the money that might be coming in. Uh, it's a really exciting thing for us, and again, we want to thank Brigham Cole for being our very first patron. Uh, you can check that out in the show notes. We'll have a link there, or you can go to patreon.com forward slash GTGC. Again, go over there, check out some of the awards we have for you, check out some of the goals we have set up, and, uh, you know, if, if this is something you love and would like it to be better, give us some money. Uh, if not, you don't have to. We're not trying to guilt you here. We just want you to know it's available. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and review and rate the show on iTunes. Thanks again, guys. We got a Black Hawk down. We got a Black Hawk down. Down, 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 down. Good trash genre cast. So, dead? That's fine. How about alive? Hmm? You wanna know? Look at these scars. Can you spell it? D J A N G O. The D is silent. I have got to give me one of these. Live, you're a wolf. What are these? What are you doing with these? Okay, I get it. Emma, who gave you these? Who taught you about these? Learned it from you. Okay. I learned it from watching you. Leads. We can kill it. It's your last chance to walk away. Are you kidding? It's five against one. It's two against one. How do you figure? Once I take out the leader, which is you? I'll have to contend with one or two enthusiastic wingmen. The last two guys, I always win. Are you, uh, you done this before? It's getting late. Remember, you wanted this. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where a bunch of people gather around a table and we discuss the films that you'll never discuss in the course of a film studies course, but we pro- apply film studies analysis anyway. This week's film is The Raid Redemption, the story about a bunch of scientist cockroaches trying to find their way out of a roach motel. But uh, we move on and we discuss more of that's, that here. You son of a bitch. That's in the text of the film, like straight up. Like, he calls them cockroaches. <laughs> Uh, but we're going to identify first and foremost the disembodied voices speaking to you through your generic MP3 playing device. To my left, ma'am, if you would. My name's Alexander Bohannon, and I guess we just learned what we were dealing with. There you go, there you go. To my right, sir, if you would. My name is Dalton Stewart, and pulling a trigger is like ordering takeout. My name is Dustin Sells, and ah, hmm, ah, hmm, ah, that's most of the dialogue in the film. Yeah, mostly. There's not a whole lot of dialogue, and there doesn't need to be. And so we are so glad to be talking the Raid Redemption and about the ethics of pesticides here with you all at uh, the Good Trash Honor Cast. We're going to begin the show as we always do with synopsis from The Voice of the Cinema. Then we're going to move into our quick thumbs up, thumbs down review. And guys, we got to warn you, this is not a review show. It's an analysis show. So after that point, spoilers ahoy, you've now been warned. Let's hear that synopsis from The Voice of the Cinema, if you would, please. A SWAT team becomes trapped in a tenement run by a ruthless mobster and his army of killers and thugs. Very good, Clint Eastwood. Uh, we appreciate <laughs> that very, very much. It was the, thanks. Uh, thanks for being uh, here, Clint. <laughs> there, so, yeah, uh, and that's 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 pretty much what the movie's about, right? It's, yep. it's a video game. You got to get the top and beat the boss. That's pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Oh, exactly. So uh, there you go. Now you know what the movie is sort of about. Let's begin with those thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. We'll begin with you, Dalton Stewart, picker of the film. What do you say? This was my host pick for the month. Um, so I've been talking about the Raid Redemption pretty much since the Good Trash Genre cast has been a podcast. Um, I'm fairly certain in our, one of our early shows, it was one of my fired up and popular cultures. And then not long after that, I was fired up about it because I went and saw it. And it was one of my favorite films of 2012. So I'm a huge fan of this movie. Uh, I like it a lot. And here's why. It is, without a doubt, a nearly perfect action movie in my eyes. I would put it up there uh, in a very different kind of action film, but I would put it up there with last week's uh, 
<clears throat> I would put up there with last week's film, Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, both of the both of these, I think, are nearly perfect action films, and I think will go down in like the pantheon, the canon of great uh, action cinema, uh, just modern classics of action filmmaking. You know, Mad Max obviously is these huge scale and beautiful art design. This is something much different. It is very small. It is very dirty. It's very gritty. It's very cheap. They made it for just over a million dollars. I think what Gareth Evans does is, I mean, this is an auteurist film. He wrote, directed it, and edited it. And I think for a film like this, the editing is as much the direction as anything else. And I don't know if that's a sentiment you would agree with, guys, but I I think for a film where the the beats and the action... uh, rely so heavily on where camera cutting takes, where cuts take place, where camera positioning. I mean, all those things, I think the editing and the directing on this film are, it it makes sense that they were done by the same person because they're so, I mean, you can see him being like, okay, we're going to cut here. Like already knowing while they're shooting where cuts are going to be. But again, top to bottom, I think it's fantastic. The fight scenes are great. Um, The music's good. Uh, The pacing is fantastic. in the analogy uh, that I've often heard that uh, uh, kung fu movies are uh, musicals for men, uh, this is almost an opera in that it's all singing and all production. There is not really any story that happens outside of that, if that makes sense. So, obviously, I'm biased pro. I picked the movie. So, those are those are my thoughts on the raid. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart, Ms. Alexander Bohan, and let's say you in terms of review. It's probably a good action movie. I'm not a connoisseur, and I could say that it does lots of cool things that action movies do um but the thing is is like unlike dalton i just don't have this taste preference for the genre so it's not anything that i intend to probably watch again read up on explore i mean the choreography of the fights were really great super gory um which is always a good time i have to say though if i have anything to like nitpick uh besides the fact that all three of us watched the english dub which isn't terrible but isn't like amazing either i have to say if anything the sets look really like they look like your high school theater type i know they had to do it super budget but it's not like they conveyed dirty and gritty which was the what they were trying to go for it just conveyed like we definitely had a budget in making this movie. It seemed cheap. It looked very cheap. I'd say cheap. that's fair. I mean, they, they look like community theater sets. That's, and, yeah. that, and that's fine. Like, I'd understand. A million dollars is not a lot for a really crazy kung fu movie with lots, lots of guns and stuff. But um, overall, it, it was fine. It was solid. Um, and there's not a lot to say about it because not a lot happens besides punchy, punchy, shooty, shooty, stabby, stabby. So. Well, thank you very much, Miss Alexander Bohan, and I would echo m- much of the sentiments that we've already heard so far on the show. It- it- it's a good action movie. It's a lot of fun. It's a good kung fu film. Uh, the kung fu choreography itself is brilliant. That's what you're there to watch. But, I mean, you know, it- so it's, yes, there's a specific art involved, but it's it's a kung fu film. And the reason why the film sort of, I guess the flaw of the film is this. It- it's very excellent at kung fu, which makes it, uh, because it's so thin narratively, plot-wise, makes it an excellent pornography film. Uh, and what I say... Yeah, no, that's totally fair. Yeah. Well, Dustin, you and I were watching um, the like the first half of Kung Fu Killer, which is a, a yes. chi- it actually is a kung fu movie because it's a, about Chinese martial arts starring Donnie Yen. And we jokingly uh, compared martial arts films to pornography in that, okay, I don't. I don't really care about this. Like, show me a fight scene. Right. And, I mean, that, that that's ex- exactly what it is. It, it is a film that is not really a, this great, you know, sort of like sexual thriller or whatever, you know, sort of a basic instinct sort of plot or whatever, where uh, you're very, very interested in what's going on, and it's punctuated with, you know, these very, very steamy scenes. This is a film that's got no narrative, you know, to speak of whatsoever. It's got really, really brilliant uh, martial arts fighting in it. And so what it makes it is is, is one of the better you know, if you in terms of if you're thinking, you know, internet porn type type films, uh, this is this is top notch. You know, internet uh, kung fu porn. And uh, well yeah. said. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I totally agree. 100%. I get what you're saying. And so, yeah, it, it's memorable. It's one thing that would stay in your, you know, spank bank or whatever. Your uh, spank for, bank. So, well, there you go, dear listener. Now you know where we stand on the film, The Raid Redemption. But guys, it's now time to get down to business. It's business. It's business time. I don't know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say it's time for business. It's business time. Ooh, it's business. It's business time. Oh, 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 yeah. And that.
that business at question is analysis. What analysis bring you, Miss Alexander Bohannon? Killing people with a gun is like ordering takeout. Dalton used that as his quote, and I think that's probably one of the most insightful things in this very um, thin movie. Insightless? Uh, yes. Um, a lot of focus and attention is given to the stylized martial, martial arts fighting sequences. If killing people with guns is like takeout food, the long drawn out fighting sequences are like Thanksgiving Day. You savor the anticipation before you dig in with both hands. And it could be a bloody mess, too. However, both examples of this metaphor and this analogy yield the same results. Regardless of if you're consuming a fine meal, like at a five-star restaurant, or at you're going to McDonald's and getting a McDouble, you're eat, taking, quote, food into your body and consuming it until you're satisfied. And I would like to propose that that is similar to what is happening in this movie regarding the pre- presentation of violence. Whenever you're watching someone cook, are you, are you the viewer whenever you're watching Rachel Ray or all of those uh, restaurateur shows, are you supposed to be satisfied too? In a cooking program, individuals on screen are sampling delicacies that look good to you, the viewer at home. Are you then, as the viewer, supposed to savor that kind of violence whenever being presented a very, um, a very thin vehicle that just essentially the violence is the reason why we're here? Is that the message that this film is supposed to convey? I'm not saying that watching the Raid Redemption will make viewers more likely to participate in their own similar situations, like mass murdering hundreds of people. I'm definitely not saying that. I'm not one of the people that says consuming violent media like video games or violent movies or whatever makes people more violent. But the fact that this analogy, at least in my mind, suggests that the viewer is supposed to savor this kind of violence, and that makes me feel extremely uncomfortable. Um, of course, the glorification of violence is nothing new. Some of my favorite movies, pers- my favorite movies personally, glorify violence instead of question its necessity. Some of them do question to some extent why it's necessary to include violence. And then some of them ask questions of glorifying violence and then you turn to their final message. I mean, hot fuzz, hello. Like, <laughs> that's a, a lot of the, a lot of the movie, even though it's one of my favorites. Perhaps this issue goes back to the structural nature of this film. Perhaps this film has a larger purpose for including so much violence. But but if it did, it might be an easier sell for me to comprehend why so much was included. As it stands, though, this film, regardless of it, if it's a burger or the caviar you're consuming, going back to my food analogy, is consuming and savoring rich amounts of violence without questioning if later it'll give you a, hummy, a tummy ache or a heart attack. I like that very much. I, I like the culinary connection. You're yeah, making well, there. I mean, that was that was one really interesting key into this movie. And then whenever I did my first read through, I was just like, oh, well, this guy obviously has it straight. He's he's questioning, you know, the fact that so much of this movie was people getting mowed down with guns. And he's like, but no, I want to savor violence. It's not like, oh, I don't like killing people with guns because that's not cool. It's like, oh, I like killing people with my bare hands and watching their lives drain out of their faces as I do so. And then it's like, but what am I supposed to do? I mean, I get to like in see how cool it is, but what is the end goal with displaying this violence? And I know this is getting philosophical and it doesn't get there's not a whole lot for me personally to analyze in this film. But the questioning the philosophy of the the displaying of gratuitous violence because this violence is gratuitous like you can't deny that um it it just leaves me at this point where i'm questioning its purpose and and, and you know with you i remember um you were talking to me not talking to me but you mentioned on the podcast like a few months ago how um you know, talking about how there's a rape on Game of Thrones and what is the purpose of s- displaying, like, sexual violence? Is it to titillate and shock or is it to tell a story? Well, using that same language and that same idea, this violence isn't isn't telling a story. It's to titillate and shock, at least w- what I can understand from it personally. Now, of course, there might be people that disagree with me me and i yes i know that yeah, but that's... i want to hear i want to hear the because i guess the rebuttal so yeah i i get what you're saying you're 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 getting at why the, the why of it and yes to me i think 
And again, I mean, this is just my analysis, so we'll go ahead and get into it. So I think the thing that you're keying in on with this, the the, the graphicness of the violence in the raid, I, I think what that does here is something that I think PG-13 violence fails at. I mean, they talk in the documentary, this film is not yet rated, um, about how it's probably much worse for uh, bullets to be sleepy pills, that uh, just you fall down bloodlessly and that's the end of that. I think what the raid does with its violence is show that there is a human cost, that you don't just do the thing and then it's over and everybody's happy. Uh, there's a scene where, where Rama goes back out into a hallway that he had just fought in, and you see these guys, just bodies everywhere, some of them alive, some of them barely alive, some of them dead. And there is a real human cost. And I think the only people in this film that are enjoying the violence are the bad guys, the lead gangster, Mad Dog, enjoy inflicting violence rama does not rama i mean again this is just flavor on the edges but the start of this film the man's praying uh, one of the primary religions in indonesia is uh, islam so presumably and based on how he's praying we can assume he's uh, a muslim uh, and he's praying at the beginning of the film he you know he's a religious man he work he's working out i mean he's punching the bag like he knows how to fight but i don't think what we are shown on screen tells us that he's somebody who enjoys fighting. And every fight scene he's in, there is a look that he presents. He's really a, quite a good actor because he shows us with his face that he's afraid, that he is not happy about what he's doing. In that fight scene I talked about in the hallways with the machetes, there's a moment where he kills a guy on a door frame, And the movie takes the time to stop the fight and show us Rama looking at the person he just killed who's not very old, who's a young kid. And there's a look on his face that says, well, that was fucked up. I wish I hadn't had to do that. And I, I think the graphicness of the violence in the raid goes a long way towards making a point about an overall unnecessity. Uh, if I'm going to make up a word, an, an, an unnecessity of violence, uh, that it is not something that should be done. I guess I would perhaps even suggest a third way in all this um, discussion of violence is, is that the film does need to make sure the uh, protagonist is heroic. Mm -hmm. And so there has to be this sort of, you know, it's a terrible thing killing a man mm -hmm. sort of uh, notion going yeah. on within him. But the film also realizes that its chief selling point um, is the visual pleasure of violence and or sex, in this case being violence. Yeah. And uh, I, I think the film is, uh, to Alex's point, um, duplicitous at least. You know, it is talking out of both corners of its mouth. Okay. You know, in that it's saying, okay, yeah, bad guys do this sort of thing, but don't we love watching bad guys do it? No, and I'm sh absolutely there's a bit of yeah. that going on because it's an action movie. Right. And so I totally, I'm like, I'm on board for your reading at that, at the textual level, but at the, like, the meta text of this is a, a vehicle. This film was this made. This is a commodity yeah. used to sell product. We, and, like, we, what sells product is, like, things that titillate and shock and, well, it's like, not a get interested. It was, it's not a commercial studio movie, so I'm not, I don't want to talk about it like it's a commodity. I want to talk about it like it's a piece of art, because I think it is. Okay. This movie was made for a million dollars and made, like, nine million dollars internationally. But the thing is, is that gets back to the meta discussion of this sells tickets. By and large, I think what you're saying is 100% true. Right. If we were talking about Predator, I just wanted to address that. I, for In the case of the Raid Redemption, I, I think what it is more about is a desire to make a really, really good action movie and show the artistry in that as opposed to make a big pile of money. Uh, because this movie didn't make And this movie made a lot of money on, off of considering how, what its budget was. I mean, it it made its money back almost tenfold. So that's awesome for them. But I, again, I think the intent here was to make a really good action movie. I, I'm assuming because he is an Indonesian national, I'm assuming Gareth Evans has some knowledge of the history of this country he lives in. Um, so I don't know if it's intentional or not, but I think this film does speak to that country's history with violence and people getting away with violence and people getting away with corruption because that is the narrative thrust of this film is corruption. Uh, and I think it speaks to that, uh, that violence is not good. Corruption gone unpunished is not good. Uh, and I think what this film does, and again, you're right, Dustin, there is some double speak going on, but I think it does a good, it, it succeeds where a lot of action movies fail. 
but yes, it's an action movie, so the violence is fun and exciting and thrilling to watch. Right. And I just I I want to speak to something that I I think it's ignored a lot, which is um, the human cost of violence within an action film. And I think most completely ignore it or try to skirt around the issue. Or as I think the raid does try to directly address it, and I think it does a pretty damn good job doing that. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Um, I do want to speak to uh, terms of finance and of money making because this film is part of a specific uh, national cinema financing model in which uh, films are put put together in a certain way to increase box office revenues, to increase the general ability of a national cinema to make films. Now, this is very foreign to us mostly because we are we live in America. Um, we are mostly um, you know inundated with the American model of filmmaking, which is totally privatized. There is no commercial aspect to this at all. Um, now, I need to talk a little bit of the history of Indonesian cinema for just a second. Please do to sort of sort of kind of help connect some of the dots. Uh, yeah, how many Indonesian movies are there? Uh, Seventy five a year, and uh, compared to what are like five hundred a year? Yeah, about that. Yeah, well, well, we're less than that now, I think. But yeah, um, there's a lot of movies. They they, they do they make seventy five a year. About that, yeah. Okay, uh, so that, that's 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 not a lot, but that's more than I thought. That's their current output at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. Indonesian cinema begins in about nineteen hundred, so about fifteen years after the actual birth of cinema, it mm-hmm. finally makes its way. Uh, this is mostly Dutch colonial influence that brings this about, mm-hmm. um, and then. Uh, the the cinema itself kind of runs underground. It's, it's overtaken by Japanese occupation during World War II, mm-hmm. and so uh, mostly uh, all Indonesian filmmaking at the time was uh, sort of educational films, uh, you know, instruction for students, you know, mm-hmm. children, that kind of thing. Um, come the uh, the independence and uh, eventually t- the time of the revolution, there is an embargo on American filmmaking for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that embargo is lifted around the 1960s, uh, which is a time in which uh, our gangsters of uh, the act of killing are mm-hmm. the are seeing the American gangster. Well, films. they're doing their their gangster theater ticket scalping yeah. operations and that sort of stuff that are made quite famous in the, the film The Act of Killing. You should listen to that episode because it's amazing. It's a, it's a good show. Yeah, and it's a good movie. You should watch the movie before you even listen to the episode. Yeah, because it's watch a the movie. Fantastic. Uh, and, Eventually what happens, uh, come around the 1980s or so, uh, there's, there's quite a bit of production that's going on uh, in, in country quite a bit as mm-hmm. far as there is there's, there's an output, and that is a sort of cinema uh, Indonesian children and adults would know um, going in and out of the movies. But they begin to uh, add more and more American film to the mix, and there's a thing that happens at this point that's going on in the 50s in France, it's going on lots of places the world over, which is American market share dominance. In, uh, in in the fact that these films, as they're being shown, people have a greater appetite overall for American film because cinema is one of our great cultural like, exports in America. And uh, in Indonesia, as in France, uh, there began to be tax incentives. Uh, there's a there's actually a cultural board that oversees production to make sure that there are more and more films being made, that young directors get more opportunities to make those films. And but, to, to get the, the voice of Indonesian filmmakers to the... Both not only to their own country but to the world as a whole. Correct. Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah, that, that's the overall goal of this. But there's also this idea and understanding that you've got to make some money so that there's influx back in. In, in both nations, I'm, I'm speaking about France, which I know a little bit more about than I do of Indonesia. Uh, there is uh, an automatic uh, tax on what you receive as far as your box office receipts, and those go back into the film fund. And you're assuming this is the same case for Indonesia? It is the same case. It is? Okay. okay. Yeah, they have the same sort of tax shelters. and Not, not, not the, the same extent. Mm-hmm. Because Indonesia doesn't have nearly the history of cinema and cultural clout and financial clout that they do in France. Mm-hmm. But they do a very, very similar sort of thing. And what they do in this is they begin to make two different types of blockbusters. Um, and and well, I want to speak of the right specifically as a blockbuster. And sure, it's not a blockbuster by American standards. But by Indonesian standards. But by Indonesian standards, it absolutely is. Well, I was, I was reading before we recorded, um, like it's opening weekend in Indonesia, uh, 250,000 people went and saw it. Which for Indonesia, a country that has just over 600 film screens, not even theaters, screens, that's huge. Massive, right. That's yeah, a big, big opening for them. And so what you can do when you make these types of films in order to sort of uh, bolster your, your film fund within a nation, you, you, do, you do a couple things that sort of hide the, uh, the, the national flavor of a film. Uh, one way that this is done is by just simply making them English language films. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at you, Snowpiercer, a uh, South mm-hmm. Korean film. Yeah. Well, right. that's a South, Ameri- South Korean-American co-production, I Correct. believe. Correct. But, but yeah. I mean, mostly that. Or, or Luc Besson's work. You know, you look at something like The Fifth Element, which is basically a French film. It's yeah. just got some American financing as well. Or uh, The Professional. Yeah. Which right. was, I mean, they shot it in New York, but it wasn't a, a completely um, French 
crew. Right, right. And so those sort of films, they are doing everything they can to sort of hide their national flavor. Um, there's another sort of film in which they are made as American blockbusters, but they're made specifically for their local audiences. Uh, District B-13, which I, I talked about a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. on the show, Good movie. is an example of this. It's, it's a fully French film. Uh, there are moments when uh, the uh, sort of value system, you know, uh, fraternity, equality, liberty, those sort of things are, are given in an impassioned speech. In, in the same way in this film, uh, it's obviously Indonesian language. It's obviously the national martial arts being used, mm-hmm. and we, we see a little bit of flavor with the uh, the Muslim um, practices mm-hmm. of our main character, Rama. Mm-hmm. And in, in all of that, we see something that, uh, for all other intents and purposes, is a very much a Hollywood-style film. It, it, it's high it's high energy, high action. And I think a lot of that has to do with Gareth Evans being uh, Welsh. Right. I mean, he, he is a Western filmmaker. Correct, correct, he is. But, you know, the reason why he gets funding to make this film is because its ability to make money and, again, to bolster the coffers mm-hmm. of, of the film in question. And, you know, it goes back to questions of the, you know, the sort of the sexiness of violence and, and those sort of things as far as getting butts in the seats. It had a great showing at Sundance and South by Southwest. It was a huge hit on the American uh, festival circuit. It really, I mean, that's how it got picked up by Sony Pictures. Right. And, and then the intention there is to grab market share, mm-hmm. it, it is to move the dots on the graph where the percentage of Indonesian market share in Indonesian cinemas is much more Indonesian than it is American. Okay. And other, you know, national cinemas or just general European cinema or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what the film does. So you're saying. Um, it was, in fact, made to get asses in seats, just Indonesian asses in seats. Specifically, yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because... That's those, a really good point. Okay. Because those receipts, again, those receipts are taxed themselves. Mm-hmm. Also, just there's a percentage of what comes back into the studio. And so it's, it's double-dip taxing at this point. See, and nations are recognizing this is more than just a mere commodity. And that's why they don't um, have the same sort of protections that, uh, say, free trade agreements and GATT and those sort of things provide. Uh, rather, what they'll do, uh, they'll say, no, this is a particular kind of production is ideological kind of production mm-hmm. and so it, it gives license uh, for nations that otherwise engage in what we call fair trade or free trade um, what they what they go ahead and do then is a practice some aspect of protectionism here and so what uh, the raid redemption is is an act of protectionism for Indonesian industry um, a way that you know again many many Indonesians will be there and so there's more finance that comes in from box office receipts and then those international um, markets, those also are taxed on the production company level because those are their profits that are taxed. And uh, so wh- what I want to say is this, dear listener, as you're looking at film, it's more than just simple, you know, we, we love to do the sort of analysis that we do in terms of the, the text itself and meta-text as Alex was doing earlier. But there's also a lot going on in, in, in sort of real-world economics that's going on here. Mm-hmm. And part of what's going on with the raid redemption, even though, yes, there's not a whole lot of narrative there, there's not a whole lot thematically happening uh, with it, I don't. I don't think uh, Gareth Evans wants us to think that uh, Indonesia is an entirely corrupt, you know, you know, cesspool of, of police bureaucracy. Although certainly there's so some of those things there mm-hmm. as there are in all places. But there's also going on a a, a, a real struggle for uh, finding a cultural voice in a globalized market. And uh, that particular aspect I find to be interesting. So there you go, dear listener. Now you've heard our analyses, uh, both textually, metatextually, and economically. There's a whole lot going on in a film that isn't saying a whole lot. And again, that's why we do what we do here on the show. And it has been a uh, wellspring of uh, great conversation. And we'd love to include you in that conversation. And we'll talk more about that here in a little bit. But first, we must render a verdict. Shelf or trash? And then our else or instead. Dalton Stewart, picker of the film. What do you say? Shelf. Uh, I think it's absolutely 100% worth your time. You should definitely watch this film. Uh, because, again, I think it is uh, an international action cinema classic. To pair with it, uh, I'm going to recommend uh, its American uh, cousin, Dread, which came out the same year, has basically the same plot. They were produced, and we've, we've talked about Dread on this show before, actually. I think that was a host pick for me as well. Um, but, yeah, you should check out Dread. I mean, it's the same plot. I mean, nobody was, you know copying each other's homework both these movies were in production at like the same time um, but i think it's very interesting that two different sets of filmmakers uh decided oh isn't this an interesting idea this cop gets stuck in this building full of criminals um so you should definitely check out dread um i would also check out the raid too which honestly uh addresses some of your concerns guys but does it a, a badly uh the raid two is almost it's like two hours and 20 minutes it's a lot of plot it's 
basically the departed but with kung fu fights uh another i'm gonna call this the the digital era of action filmmaking uh so making it cheap but making it not look cheap through digital filmmaking i'm gonna recommend you check out john wick from last year which is another uh, very clearly i mean a lot of the effects are digital in the raid and a lot of the effects in john wick are digital but that doesn't mean they're bad um, because when you're doing a fight movie, uh, most of your your work is going to be practical stunts, and you can kind of make them look cooler, or more make them look scary, or more dangerous, or more violent through digital uh, filmmaking techniques. For international action flair, uh, check out Thirteen Assassins from Japan, uh, Snowpiercer, which has already come up, which is a South Korean American co production. Go out there and experience international action cinema, guys. The raid gets five hammers tagged in for revolvers out of a possible five for me, guys. Oh, wow. Thank you very much, Mr. Dolster. Miss Alexander Bohannon, let's say you show for trash. Elster instead. Okay. You don't need to watch this to me. This is trash. I'm gonna. I'm trying to be more harsh on my... We, we decided as a team, listener, We're going to be more... We're not going to do that, that streaming cop-out. We're not going to do... No. Put it on your friend's shelf cop-out. We've decided shelf or trash from now on. Yeah. Is it worth your time or is it not worth your time? Okay. So, I, but I will say this. If any of what Dalton said resonated with you, you need to watch this movie. If any of what I said or what I suppose what Dustin said with you um, resonated with you, you, you should probably trash this movie as well. That's, that's just where you should, you know, feel it out. But I'm, I'm trashing. It's just, it's not going to be on my shelf and I don't need to see it again. So um, I don't have anything to I've recommend. I've seen this movie like four times I since know it came has. out. I've seen this movie so many times now. <laughs> I don't have anything to recommend to you because I'm sure if you were to watch something similar, then I think Dalton's picks all sound great. I guess you could watch Die Hard, you know, the you know, buildings and braiding and yeah, stuff. Oh, yeah, Die Hard's definitely this movie's like great, great uncle at least. Yeah, so uh, Die Hard could work and um, any other action movie you want to see uh, with uh, Gung Fu, The Matrix, I guess, would be another pick. Um, you know, just just do it. So, yeah, so I would give this six possible light bulbs used in to stab your jugular out of a possible possible 12. It was it, it's solid. It's a it's a good movie. It's just, you know, not for me. All righty. Well, thank you very much, Ms. Alexander Bohannon. I am going to have to say also trash. Uh, what I would say you should watch L slash instead are things that have already been said. I would say Die Hard. I would say The Matrix. I would say Snowpiercer. I think those would all be fine places to spend your time as well and perhaps finer places. Uh, to spend your time uh, watching some cinema. So there you go, dear listener. Now you know what we think about all the things. We'd love to hear what you think about what we thought. And you can do that via those means that we all know as social media. First and foremost, Miss Alexander Bohannon, do you know any place where that can happen? I do. So you can find us at Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash good trash genre cast. Any feedback coming in from that Facebook? About a butt ton, Dustin. Which is exciting. A butt ton of feedback. A whole butt ton, you say. Yeah, okay. So, um, before last week, um, after we recorded last week, Arthur did a movie, Arthur and I have been doing movie trivia Mondays, um, and then kind of trying to tag it back to a previous show just for the relevance. Um, We did a movie trivia Monday about Mean Girls, and that uh, Mean Girls was the feature film debut for Amanda Seyfried, who was Karen Smith. She was actually, I think... She was either 20 or 21. It was like she was very young. Yeah, both her and Lindsay Lohan were very, really young. Yeah, so uh, in that movie, uh, then Mr. Shelby Parks uh, replied, this is my top favorite mo- movies of all time. I know every line. Yeah, a, a lot of people are like that, Shelby. I totally see it. Then we did a post about question, what has you fired up this week in pop culture, to which we have a few replies. Uh, Elizabeth Collins says, I'm fired up in a negative way about all the Star Wars consumerism crap that is literally everywhere. It's part of a new Star Wars movie coming out as new Star Wars toys. Yeah, I just accept it. Yeah. Um, And then Arthur posted for us, you should email us a rant and we'll voice it on air. It'll be fun. Um, But I don't know if she did that. And then Sam LaCate said, yet I am pretty excited about all the new Star Wars crap. So many cool Legos for quote, my son, unquote. <laughs> I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, I'd be the same same there, too. Um... I know Kirsten Thurkelson uh, on Twitter was real mad that uh, I think CoverGirl has a... Yeah, she has a new... They have a new, like... Star makeup Wars makeup line. line, and it didn't release when it was supposed to, and Kirsten was real pissed. Yeah. So, yeah, th- it is everywhere, and that's... 
and they released all of this shit at one time. Yeah, it was Shazam. It was um, what, like last I Thursday, to, I, I think? I went to Target, um, the last and they Friday. have a giant, least eight foot tall, chewy cardboard cutout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in uh, Target. Um, on Wednesday, mm-hmm. we t- posted our Woman Crush Wednesday, or hashtag WCW, goes to Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Who are your, what are your thoughts on these two comedians? Elizabeth Collins asks, okay, so what is hashtag WCW? Because we use that. Um, and then Matt, it's a thing. Matt Selenik said, either Woman Crush Wednesday or wo- World Champion Wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on which Google link you click, which uh, that, gets, that's, uh, that tickles my funny bone that's for funny. sure. And then Elizabeth Collins says, well then, these two important ladies are so uh, damn important. That's what I would say. And then... Uh, Arthur posted, and and there are new tag team champions. So that just got after my wrestling nerd. Lots uh, of fun stuff happening over on Facebook. I won't ever see it, but... Yeah, you should. Nope. We've got a lot... We've really got quite a lot this week. Um, Two more, I promise, and I'm done. We posted our game from last week's episode, Characters That Could Live Forever, played by different actors like James Bond. Um, And then Austin Davis said, I would like to see Morpheus from The Matrix as a sort of a prequel series. No. No? Nope. I would like to hear you guys debate that. that no more Matrix. Incorrect, Dalton. That'd be great. And then last but certainly not least, uh, Arthur posted a Think Piece article called No, comma, Mad Max Fury Road is not a feminist masterpiece, but that's okay, which I have strong misgivings about, even though I do see some of the author's points. I posted a wall of text on this post, which I'm not going to read for you. Dustin but, told us, yeah. Uh, <laughs> or told me. Um, but Ashley Rains also said, so we had a comment, oh, a listener. Ashley Rains, former uh, guest host. Oh, fabulous. Well, back hi, in the, Ashley. Back in the UCO days. Well, this is what Ashley said. I can see the author's point. Feminism is more than a specific group of women getting representation by holding traditionally male-dominated roles. Passing the Bechdel test is setting the bar comically low. Other movies have done this and more, but do not receive the same attention as Mad Max because it is, at the end of the day, a movie made for men by men. It does a few things right, such as giving older women screen time and depicting female nudity in a non-sexualized manner. We need more films like Fury Road, but more importantly, we need more movies to do more than what it did, which I completely agree with what she said. It's a movie made by people for people. Uh, George Miller's wife, who is a documentary editor, edited the film, and when asked why he did this, he said, because if I let a man chop this film, it's going to look like every other movie made by men. Um, so I, I do want to quibble with that there. Okay. I think George Miller made a strong point to involve a lot of female voices in the making of that film. Sure. So it did play to people as a whole, not just two men. But that, okay. is, a, that yeah. is a fair and that's, point. And that's, um, if you want to... The original author said that the author of the Think Piece said it was like a three-man... Three men directed the movie, or something like that. So well, anyway, wrong. yeah. Or so she, no, I whoever mean, wrote the think piece is incorrect. I, I'm pretty sure it was a dude. I well, mean, I could verify real quick, but that's yeah. not important. And then Ashley, I talked with Ashley a little more, and she said, "Indeed, money talks, and hopefully the um, industry takes note that films can be profitable regardless of protagonists or tropes used." Because I said, you know, this basically opens the gate of, hey, maybe. Ladies want to see action movies with badass ladies that aren't just like buddy cop films. I just want to see more R-rated action movies, so hopefully that, that too. works out. Anyway, so that was a lot of Facebook, you guys. I'm sorry if we bored you, but I'm really glad you guys are talking to us. Yes, excellent. Thank you very much, Ms. Alexander Bohan. And Mr. Dalton Stewart, anything you want to say? Uh, yeah, we're on Twitter. Um, there's no kung fu fights there, but we are there, so that's fun, I guess. Kapow! Yeah. Wow, wow. Slappy, slappy. Ag good underscore trash. <laughs> there's 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 not a lot of dialogue in this movie. Uh, yeah, we've got some stuff going on o- over on Twitter. We already got a new follower in the form of Trevor Winfrey, who is at Trevor Winfrey. So that's cool. Thanks, Trevor. Uh, I believe he's a friend of the show, Caleb Masters' roommate, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, lots of favorites and retweets. Uh, just we talked about a lot of stuff on Twitter this week, and a lot of those things got positive attention. So that makes me feel good. Uh, we did get uh, a couple of other new followers in the form of Austin Davis, who is now uh, with us on Facebook, as you mentioned. Uh, Andre Pascal, I think? P-A-S? 
C U A L. Sorry, Andre. Uh, that's at Rant Ramble is following us, and then Ben the Librarian at Ben underscore Mead Harvey, who is a patron of the arts in Oklahoma City. Ben's a nice guy. Saw me do comedy the other day. I like Ben a lot. Uh, but Andre wrote in to us and Caleb and said, "Solid analysis, guys," with a little okie doke emoji. So thanks, Andre. Your and, hair is very large. And then Brigham said, agreed to all of the parties above. So that's what we've got going on on Twitter this week. Excellent, excellent. Thank you very much. Don't forget, dear listener, you can also give us comments at iTunes. Please rate us there, even if you don't want to leave a comment. Um, we'll read the comment on the air, but the ratings are so, so helpful for us. And you can also Absolutely. give comments at the Podbean site, goodtrashhonorcast.podbean.com. If you have really long-form feedback to give us, you can reach us uh, at goodtrashhonorcast at gmail.com. So there you go. We love to keep the conversation going. And now the conversation continues on to the game. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> this week's game is characters we'd like to see rate a building. Uh, that's right. Characters we'd like to see rate a building. Brought to you by The Raid. Colon Redemption. The Raid. Colon Redemption. A building gets raided, and there's some redemption. <laughs> All accurate statements. So well, this is not necessarily just characters as characters or actors that we want to see in a locked-in-a-building-got-to-fight-their-way-out type scenario, basically. Correct, correct. Ms. Alexander Bohannon, what are your picks? Let me list them out for you. First of all, none, no list about buildings being raided would be complete without Arnold Schwarzenegger, so I will have him in his most... Uh, Probably uh, notorious role as the Terminator is the T is he the T one T eight hundred eight hundred he's a Cyberdyne Systems Model one hundred one thank uh, you or a T eight hundred and then three he's a T eight fifty okay that's good because I almost called him like a T I eight hundred so he's not a graphic There's, calculator there are a lot of naming inconsistencies in that franchise about w- what he is what his model is. Right. Okay, but I'm still okay with that. Sorry, I would also like to have. I would also like to have a movie where Batman has to raid a building. Sick. Um, either I probably not campy Batman. Probably gritty Christian Bale Batman. I would be okay with that. That'd be super fun. Although the campy Batman could be interesting as well. Oh my gosh! It would turn into Home Alone, but like way more violent. Yes. Anyway, and then last but not least, I'm really excited about this pick. The Predator. I want to see the Predator fight his way through a building with all of his traps and his decoys. And then it would just be so fun watching the Predator hunt the people that he's trying to to get. In the, the video building. game Predator Concrete Jungle, that's basically the end of it is you have to fight your way through this giant building full of gangsters. Oh my god, yeah, that's it's amazing. Re- it's really cool. It's and a then, fun game. And then of course, uh you, if you wanted to kind of live this reality, you could play Hotline Miami in any other video game that's like this. Um, you know, that's pretty reasonable. I just realized that's more of like an else, but whatever. Well, thank you very much for that, Miss Alexander Bohan. And Mr. Dalton Stewart, what are your picks? I'd like to see the uh, actor Frank Grillo, uh, which is interesting because he is tentatively attached to the uh, American remake of The Raid, which I think is a bad idea. Uh, but I like Frank Grillo a lot as an actor. Um, and I think putting him in a, a chance where he gets to shine as an actor, as an action performer, uh, do some badass stuff would be really cool. I was going to pick Chris Evans, but then I realized technically he's already done this in Snowpiercer. It's just a train instead of a building. Um, so, yeah, do that again, Chris Evans. It's fantastic. I love it a lot. Um, I think it would be interesting um, to have Freddy Krueger have to rate a building. I don't know what the context of that would be. Yeah, that'd be insane, but fun. Yeah, it'd be awesome, right? It'd be like a hotel when they're all sleeping. Oh, there you go. That's good. Uh, Dustin, I think we need to call New Line Cinema. I know, we've got the sequel right now. Yeah, that would be really cool. So I know we've been talking about Star Wars a lot in our games the last few weeks, but I mean, seeing a group of Jedi have to, like two or three Jedi stuck in a building full of, I don't know, droids or stormtroopers or Sith or something, be pretty sweet. Or Or children. And just killed them all. Oh, yeah. That did happen. That did happen, didn't it? Oh, the younglings. Oh, the younglings. That's a moment that should be much sadder than it actually is in that movie. Poor, poor prequel trilogy. 
Well, Dustin, what are some of your picks? What are you well, thinking for well, this Well, Jedi game? were one of my picks, and I was specifically thinking like an Obi-Wan and a Yoda team up, mm. you know, fighting their way through some sort of, you know, hellish building, you know, okay. perhaps in that Seventh Samurai remake that was rumored to happen. Yeah, that would have been so cool. Yeah, so something like that would be very, very, very much fun for me. Also, I want to see uh, Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. Ooh. Oh, just yes. Good pick. For days. I yeah. Would, Forever. That would just be... Oh, so much fun. I'd be, he can regenerate be, the claws. Oh. It'd be fun in the way that, um, I mean, Dread's fun. Like, yeah. there's just this, like, super badass, uh, kind of almost typical action archetype, just m- clearing house. Just mowing through, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, that would be really cool. So, th- that those are my picks. Thank you very much for that gameplay, dear listener. We'd love to hear your picks as well. We move on now to what we always do when we conclude the show and talk about what's got us fired up this week in pop culture. And we are oh so fired up this week. I'm so excited to hear from my dear co-host, uh, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Are you fired up? Uh, not really. Um, I've pretty much just been playing the Mad Max video game since we last recorded, guys. That's basically all I've been doing. It's a lot of fun. Um, if you like Fury Road and want more of it, you should play the game. Uh, if not, it's not really for you. I mean, there's not a whole lot going on in that game. Uh, you just you build your car and you drive around and you get into car fights and then you do punch them ups when you're not car fighting it's it's fun what more do you want from me uh i did see the trailer for eli roth's green inferno which is basically a remake of cannibal holocaust i mean in everything but name uh i feel like we've come to a point in human history where it's racist i don't know although apparently uh because they filmed it with real uh tribes people in the amazon jungle and they seemed super into it Um, because he was like, hey, you want to be in a movie? And then they said, we don't know what a movie is. So he showed them Cannibal Holocaust, and they were like, that looks like fun. Yeah, which is hilarious to me. Uh, Also, fun fact, there are no cannibal tribes in the Amazon rainforest at all whatsoever. So I don't know. Uh, Seems kind of problematic, but Eli Roth's a fairly intelligent filmmaker, so maybe he'll do something to subvert that. But uh, not a movie I'm particularly interested in seeing, just because, ew. Well, there you go. Thank you very much, Mr. Donald Stewart. Miss Alexander Bohannon, are you fired up? Um, mildly fired, yes. Um, the only thing I've really been doing is I've been watching a lot of stand-up on Netflix, and I've been watching just a lot of movies I've been meaning to get around to. Uh, one was a recent Netflix drop that was like, I'm going to watch something that looks cool and is not two and a half hours. Um, and that is The One I Love, directed by Charlie McDowell. Oh, how was that? Amazing. I've been, I've been meaning to it's watch so it. It's so good. Yeah. yeah. So starring Mark Duplass, you might recognize him as Pete from The League. And or, he's... or as one of the Duplass brothers, the uh, one of the founders of Mumblecore. Yeah. Which is so weird too. to me that he's on The League. Yeah. Well, I don't know him in that context. I yeah. know him in this context as The League, and he's hilarious in The League. He's very... And Elizabeth Moss from Elizabeth Moss and Ted Danson as a bit part. There's yeah. only three people. Yeah, it's just it's mostly just the two of yeah, them. Yeah, it's mostly just the two of them. Um, I made my roommate watch it because I just wouldn't stop talking about it. So it's definitely something to watch for sure. Thank you very much, Mr. Alexander Bohannon. I am fired up about a single thing this week. I got to see an advanced screening of The Visit. Uh, M. Night Shyamalan's new film. What did you think? It was fun. It was really fun to watch. It was a very good theatrical experience. It was a full house. It's really, really funny. I mean, shockingly funny. I think Arthur, either Arthur or Caleb last week mentioned, uh, I don't know if it was made to the episode or not, but uh, they mentioned that he did three cuts of the movie, pure horror, pure comedy, and then the one that he landed on, which was kind of a horror comedy, right? Uh, yeah, something like that. And it, I mean, definitely there are scary bits, and uh, the trailer sort of advertises a much more frightening film than what you get, but it's not that it's not frightening. Um, it's very meta. I'm not sure it's good. Uh, I keep thinking about it. it it's definitely um, not a return to form, I would say, from Shyamalan, although narratively it definitely is. You know, In the end, you find out Bruce Willis has always been dead because he's allergic to water, but um, that's not, you know, that, that's typical Shyamalan. Fair. And Sam Jackson's a bad guy. Correct. And uh, so, yeah, you know, it does that thing that he does, which is, I guess is in that sense a return to form. But it's not like any of those other films at all. It does have a lot of heart, though. And uh, so I like that about it. But again, I'm not quite sure um, because I think the tone is 
a little too much on both ends of the spectrum, and I think it just fails to find that happy middle ground. But I'm not sure. I have to see it again. But it was fun to watch, and I think anybody should see it. You know, I would I wouldn't be mad about paying for it if I had. So that's what I'd say about that. But enough of this, dear listener. Thanks so much for listening throughout this episode of the Good Trash Honor Cast. Next week's show is the guest. Mrs. Peterson? Can I, um, help you? My name is David. I knew your son. I was with him when he died. One of the things he asked was for me to check on y'all. You and your whole family here. I said I'd do that, and so here I am. Would you like to come inside? Thank you, ma'am. And uh, it's kind of a soft transition to Shocktober. Yeah, it'll be kind of a segue for us. So it's written and directed by Adam Wingard, who uh, wrote and directed Your Next, which we did uh, during our double-stuffed uh, Shocktober last year. So uh, it'll be kind of, yeah, it's it's not quite a horror movie. It's more of a thriller, but it'll be kind of a nice way to, to segue us into our uh, our annual celebration of horror that is Shocktober. So I'm excited. Have you guys seen The Guest yet? Nope. Nope. Oh, man, I look for. Oh, I'm so excited it's for you guys to watch it. Netflix, right? Yes, it is streaming currently on Netflix, so it'll be easy for you to watch, listener. Uh, check it out, and we'll, uh, I guess, we'll see you next week. Stop it out.